We thank you for his ministry. We thank you for divine light tonight. We thank you for the bread of God. And all that is provided by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, speak to your people tonight. Begin to minister as only you can. Reveal Jesus. And Father, we'll be sure to give you all the glory and the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Pastor was talking Sunday about witnessing. Amen. Uh, Going out and uh, being bold and witnessing for the Lord. And bringing in this harvest that uh, is ripe. And each and every one of us have a part to play in that. Amen. Um, I remember back many years ago, I worked at St. Luke's Hospital. Started working there back in 1981. When I was 19 years old, and I worked there for 23 years till I was 42 years old, and I met a lot of people. I wasn't born again when I first got there, but 10 years later in 1991, I got saved, gave my life to Jesus Christ. And after I got born again... Uh, I was much like you. I was I was on fire for God. I had uh, fell in, fell in love with Jesus Christ, and uh, everybody knew the change. They saw the change. I was a heathen before I got saved. I was I was in the world, and everybody knew I was in the world. But when I got born again. Uh, most people thought I, that knew me before, they thought I lost my mind. Because all I did was talk about Jesus. That's all I did. And uh, the change was so dramatic. Anyway, um, one of those people that I met at St. Luke's during that time was this gentleman named Mr. Willie. I smile when I say his name. Because Mr. Willie was one of a kind. Mr. Willie, I worked the night shift, the evening shift. I came in around about 12 o'clock in, at noon and worked till about 9 o'clock at, at night as a cook. I was a cook. And uh, Mr. Willie, he worked uh, evening shift, came in about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, part-time. He worked part-time. His full-time job, he worked for this, thing, this place called All Right Parking. He used to park cars. And Mr. Willie was a character. Him and his partner, uh, his name was John Henry. He would come in with Mr. Willie around about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and they'd come in. You could smell alcohol on them, amen? Yeah, they, <laughs> they, was, that, they was like that, you know. They was... Uh, they was like that. But anyway, um, Mr. Willie was fun to be around. 
joke around, and I used to love to joke around with Mr. Willie. And I used to always tell Mr. Willie, Mr. Willie, you need to get saved. Mr. Willie laughed and said, all right, Roy, that's for you, that's not for me. Um, maybe one day I will. <laughs> anyway, Mr. Willie, like I said, he was uh, one of a kind. Well, a few years later, Mr. Willie got sick. And... Um, Back in those days at St. Luke's Hospital, they had some real, really, really good insurance. If you got sick at St. Luke and you was an employee, you could get you a room upstairs, and they would pay for it 100%, no matter what was wrong with you or, or no matter how long you was in the hospital. Am I right, Cheryl? Yeah. That's why I stayed at St. Luke's so long, because they had good benefits. <laughs> they did, really good benefits. So anyway, Mr. Willie, when he got sick... Uh, he, he was upstairs, and uh, me and uh, a couple of other brothers, dear brothers of mine, uh, they got saved around about the same time I did. Pastor Leo and Elder, he's still a, a really, really good friend of mine. He's a pastor now in A-Leaf. He got, a, matter of fact, me and him worked in ministry for many years together before I came here to the ark. We worked in ministry. And um, Albert Viltz, another really, really, really good friend of mine, he went home to be with the Lord about uh, last year. Yeah, he went home to be with the Lord, and he was a precious brother. Matter of fact, his, his testimony was the testimony that uh, gave me a hunger for Jesus Christ. And Because uh, he, he had got born, born again before I did. And when he came to St. Luke's, uh, he, he was a testimony to me and it gave me a hunger for God but anyway uh we all worked together we were all cooks actually Albert was a sous chef and uh, anyway uh we found out Mr. Willie was upstairs sick in sick in the hospital and um we said uh man we need to go see Mr. Willie you know you know one thing lets you know we got busy and for about a week, we kept on saying, man, we need to go see Mr. Willie. So one night, I was working, and I told Albert, and I told Lee, I said, man, we need to go see Mr. Willie tonight for real. I think we need to just go talk to him. And so we did. We went upstairs after we got off of work. And there he was, sitting up in the bed. His girlfriend, she was in the room with him. They was in there together. And he was just so happy to see us. He's just laughing and joking. Didn't even, look, didn't even look sick or nothing, you know. But anyway, after we talked for a while, we visited for a while. It was getting late. Like I say, we used to get off late back in those days. We was getting ready to walk out the door. And uh, if I ever knew that I heard from the Holy Ghost, I know I heard from the Holy Ghost that night. I turned around and I said, Mr. Willie, you want to give your life to Jesus Christ? He looked at me. He said, yeah, Roy, I really do. So I turned around, we turned around, and we prayed the prayer of salvation. 
and led him to the Lord. Well, you know, we left out of that rejoicing that Mr. Willie had given his life to Jesus Christ. The next day, the next morning, when I got to work, I, got, I used to get to work, I say start at 12, but I used to get to work about three hours early so I could study the Bible. Amen? I go in the cafeteria and study the Bible. So I got there early, way before my shift. This young man named Mr. Seymour, Seymour, that's what his name, he ran down the hallway as he saw me walking down the hallway. He said, Roy, did you hear about Mr. Willie? I said, what do you mean did I hear about Mr. Willie? He died last night. I said, man, you're kidding. He said, no, Mr. Willie died last night. I said, man, we just prayed for him to get saved last night. That just goes to show you, you never know. And like I said, I, I know I've, I've heard from God on several occasions that I know I, that I know that I know that I know I heard from God. That was one night I know that I heard from God that night. When I turned around and said, do you want to give your life to Jesus Christ? That shows you how thin the line is between heaven and hell. He gave his life to Jesus Christ that night. And I'm sure I'll see him in heaven. Amen? So it's important. The message pastor preached Sunday... It's important. We never know what lives that we are affecting for eternity. So I just want to encourage you along those lines. When the Holy Ghost speaks to you to witness to somebody, to talk to somebody about Jesus, be obedient. Had uh, we not been obedient that night, who knows, he may be in hell tonight. Amen? So anyway, I, I share my Mr. Willis story every now and then. I felt led to do it tonight and uh, want to share a verse of scripture with you concerning something like that. Psalm 65. Because God chose Mr. Willie before the foundation of the world. Psalm 65, verse 4. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest, and cause it to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, even of thy holy temple. So I thank God that Mr. Willie... He was, uh, was chosen by God, and he's enjoying the presence of God even tonight. Amen? Amen, amen. amen. Well, we're going to start a, a new series tonight uh, called Faith in the Power of God. Faith in the Power of God. That was a demonstration of the power of God. The testimony I just gave right there, that was a demonstration of the power of God and his power to save to the uttermost. 
I want to begin tonight, and I'm going to take my time. And I don't know how long we're going to go tonight, but I'm just going to take my time. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Faith in the power of God. And verse uh, 1 is where I want to begin. This is the Apostle Paul speaking, and this is some of my favorite scriptures right here. He says, I, I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. So God, Paul spoke of God's testimony. How many of you know God's testimony is the testimony that we need to preach on? God's testimony brings deliverance. And God's testimony is what God says about himself. God introduced himself to Abraham as almighty God. And true he is. He's almighty. And he wants us to view him that way. Um. God is our Heavenly Father. He's a loving God. He is uh, easy to entreat. He really is. But He is almighty. And He is powerful. And the Bible says He is a consuming fire. He is uh, serious about the things that concern him. And his testimony is that he wants to draw all men unto his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He says, I only want to declare God's testimony. Then he says something very interesting in verse 2. For I determine... Not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul refused to preach some self-help religion. He came to preach Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross. He said, I made a determination that I'm going to preach that and that alone. That which saves, that which draws mankind to the deity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Paul says, I, that's all that I'm going to pray. I've determined to do that, to not know anything among you except that. God help me unless that's I only preach. That's all I want to preach is Him. He came to preach the finished work of the cross. Then he says here in verse 3, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. 
Hmm. Paul recognized his total dependency upon God. He said, every time I preach him, I only want to preach Christ Jesus. I'm afraid to preach anything other than that. Hallelujah. So he says, I come to you in weakness and fear and in trembling because my dependency is Jesus Christ. That should be our dependency. Only in him. Only in Christ Jesus. Because that, that's what connects us with God. That's what connects us with the power of God. Only through Jesus Christ, only through a revelation of Him and Him only. The church needs to focus on that. The church needs to refocus on that. That it's only through Christ Jesus that we can experience God Almighty and His power. And it's the will of God that we experience Him in our generation. Just as they experienced God in the early church, God wants us to experience Him in the latter church through the same vehicle, and that is Jesus Christ. So our preaching and our teaching must center only around the risen Savior and our access to God through Him and Him alone. Amen? He said, uh, and my speech and my preaching was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and in power. He said, I didn't preach with the enticing words of man's wisdom. Man's wisdom equals sensual, Adamic, self-seeking. Tower of Babel rhetoric. You might recognize this. Communism and New Age. Antichrist doctrine. Paul said, I didn't come to proclaim anything other than Christ Jesus. Not his opinion. Not how he felt. He came to preach the testimony of God and God alone. We need to get back to that, amen? To preach in the testimony of God. The blood of Jesus. The resurrection power of Christ. Hallelujah. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. Power of the Spirit. The demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That's what we need in the church today. And I decree and declare we're going to be those who experience it. Amen? Amen. By God's grace. Verse 5. 
that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Faith in the power of God. That's what we're talking about tonight. Our faith should only be in God's power and in God's ability. I ought to have Bible faith in the power of Almighty God. I ought to have Bible faith, what God says about Himself, concerning His power, concerning His might, and His willingness to work through the New Testament church of Jesus Christ. Zechariah 4 and 6. This is what God says about himself. It's not by might. Let that sink in. Nor by power. He's talking about human power. It's not by any of those. But by my spirit, saith the Lord. God Almighty, Holy Ghost power is the only answer to the bondage of this world. So it's got to be by the Spirit of God or not at all. Pastor Mike and those who join him in prayer in the morning time, they're not just Killing time. They're seeking God for Holy Ghost power, for Holy Ghost strength to do what God has called us to do in our generation because there are many bondages that can only be broken through prayer and supplication. Connecting with God in the Spirit is the most important thing. Connecting with God in prayer is invaluable. Because that is when you tap into this might that we're talking about tonight. That is when we tap into the power of God, the Spirit of God, as we seek Him and seek His voice that we might declare his testimony in our generation. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible declares that. His power and his strength lies resident on the inside of each and every born-again believer. The powers of the worlds to come dwells within us. And God is counting on us. Yea, even believing for, for us to be able to release that power to a sin-sick world. But our faith has to be built up in this area of an understanding that it's only through God's power that the world will be set free. Only through Jesus Christ will the world be set free. I believe I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but there's somebody maybe li listening to me on the internet 
that doesn't know these things. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ is the answer. If Mr. Willie was standing here today, he'd tell you, Jesus Christ saves to the uttermost. And it's never too late. You can be on your deathbed and he'll save you. I believe in healing. I believe in all that. Thank God for healing. But the greatest salvation, the greatest miracle is the healing of the spirit. To get born again. But it's when we come in contact with the knowledge of Holy Ghost power, God's power. Now I wrote this down, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. God is deity, omnipotent, with unlimited power, able to do anything. This is who we serve. I'm going to say that again. God is deity. He's the most powerful being in the universe. He's omnipotent, unlimited in power, able to do anything. He wants us to know that about him. That's his testimony. That's his testimony to his church tonight. He wants us to go out and proclaim that the world, the flesh and the devil, has nothing on our God. God is here tonight to remind us of that. Sometimes I think what we get is mental assent of these things. We just mentally agree with these things. God wants us to begin to understand these things in, in our spirit, in our heart. Because when we do that, and we connect with him, it delivers us, thank you, Lord, it delivers us from idolatry. It delivers us from self-help. It delivers us from a dependency on ourselves. When we understand that we have covenant relationship with the most powerful being in the universe. It delivers us from drinking from any other well, hallelujah, than the well provided by Jesus Christ. Have to constantly remind ourselves who we serve. We have to constantly remind ourselves that God is God. And there is no other. Hallelujah. I'm preaching good tonight. <clears throat> now, the question is, since we're teaching also tonight, where is God's power centralized? Where is God's power centralized? Let's go to Matthew chapter 28. That's a question that we need to burn in our hearts with this answer. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, 
All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Hallelujah. Jesus said, all power is given unto me. That's where God's power is centralized. It's centralized in Jesus Christ. God's power is made known to man and found only in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. That's what you tell that heathen that you work with, that you've been trying to witness. That's what you let them, you let them know that the only way that they're going to have peace is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. There was a young man that came up to me uh, just recently on my job. He suffers from uh, manic depression, bipolar. And uh, he said, Mr. Roy, I'm having, I'm having a tough day, having a rough day today. I feel like I want to go off. <laughs> I said, what's going on, man? He said, no, I... I'm, 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 I'm on my medication, but sometimes that medication don't work and I'm just, I'm having a hard time. I say, well, here's what we need to do. We need to pray. We need to, we need to go to the Lord Jesus Christ and we need to ask God for grace and mercy today. And so we did. But I began to testi- test, uh, testify to him because he said, I want what you got. I said, what I got is Jesus Christ. He said, well, I want, I want that. I want, I said, well, what you're going to have to do is surrender to him and let him be the Lord of your life. I've, I've talked to him about this before because what he was seeking was the peace that he sometimes sees in my life. And I was telling him the only way that you can have peace, brother, is if you rely only on Jesus Christ. I don't have a complicated gospel for you today. I'm here to tell you that the only way that you're going to receive what you think you need is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He began to uh, contemplate that. Now, he didn't, he didn't give his life to Christ at that moment, but I believe that a seed was planted. Amen. And I, I, but I saw the peace, because God is merciful. I saw the peace uh, radiate his his uh, his facial features. Uh, so uh, God gave him some deliverance, much like He gave Saul. Amen. When the evil spirit would come upon him, he uh, and I believe that young man received that peace. But that's what the world is looking for. That's what the world is clamoring for. They're they're clamoring for peace. They just don't know how to find it. And God's power is found only in Jesus Christ. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So God's power is centralized and found only in Jesus Christ. Now, I love, in the Bible, I love King David. I really do. He's he one of the characters that I like to... Read about and uh, study. I love his heart and his passion for God. But I want to talk about two examples, if I can tonight, 
I may not get to all of it, of where David blew it big time. If you studied his life, you know that he did. He blew it big time, several times. But uh, one of the times that he blew it is when he numbered Israel. He, uh, well, let's go there. First Chronicles, chapter 21. The Bible says, and Satan stood up against Israel and he provoked David to number Israel. So that's what David did. He made a decision at the coercion of the devil to take into account his natural inventory. He wanted to know how many great warriors he had in Israel, in the army. And uh, that's a cardinal sin, particularly when you're a great leader, to take into account all of your natural resources. Nothing wrong with knowing what the natural resources are, but when you depend on those natural resources, that's where we get into trouble. And And... The Bible says here in verse 2, And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, Go and number Israel from Bathsheba, even to Dan, and bring the number of them to me so that I can know it. In other words, I want to gain some confidence in the numbers or through the numbers. You know, God will allow you to, because we talk about it here, to have many bank accounts. He doesn't mind you having abundance. He just doesn't want you and I to depend on the abundance. He wants us to depend only on him and his power. That's where a lot of times we make the mistake. We begin to depend on our natural resources instead of God. In our natural thinking, we don't think a lot of times there's anything wrong with that. But in the mind of God, which is the only mind that counts, it's a great sin. Verse 3. And Joab answered, the Lord make his people a hundred times so many more as they be. But my Lord, the king, are are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then doth my Lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? Even Joab (laughs) had sense enough to know that that wasn't right. You study Joab, man, Joab was crazy. He he was, he he wanted, he, he, (laughs) Joab had a quick temper. And he was uh, David's captain and general or whatever, but Joab, but in this instance right here, Joab is trying to talk sense to David. He said, don't do this. There's no reason to do this, to, to try to take into account uh, the number of the armies of Israel. We serve the living God. We don't need to know how many people we have in the army. Verse 4. Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. 
Wherefore Joab departed and went through all Israel and came to Jerusalem. So he obeyed David and went through all of Israel. Verse 5. And Joab gave the sum of the number of the people unto David, and all they of Israel were a thousand thousand and a hundred thousand men that drew swords. And Judah had about four hundred thousand threescore and ten thousand men that drew swords. But Levi and Benjamin counted he not among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. So Joab knew what he was doing was wrong. The Bible says in verse 7, God was displeased with this thing. Therefore he smote Israel. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing. But now I beseech thee, go away, do away with the iniquity of thy servant." For I have done very foolishly. Not just foolishly, but very foolishly. The second instance where David really blew it was in 2 Samuel. We probably all are familiar with this, with his sin with Bathsheba. 2 Samuel... Verse 12, chapter 12, I'm sorry. And verse 1. And after David has been exposed, the prophet Nathan begins to speak to David here. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had brought, nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock, and of his own herd to dress for the wavering man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was to come to him. David hears this, the Bible says, And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and said unto Nathan, Has the Lord liveth, the man that had done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And Nathan said unto David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee your master's house, and your master's wives into your bosom, and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have more of giving unto you these such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord and to do evil in his sight, that thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be your wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon? Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because thou hast despised me. And has taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. 
Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you in your own house, and I will take your wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbors, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all of Israel before the sun. Now, goodness. So those are two examples where David blew it big time. And I believe in both examples, David sinned because he forgot about the powerful God that he served. He lost sight of God's power. That's a very dangerous thing to do. And what God is telling us tonight, if he's telling us anything, is do never lose your awe of God. Never lose your awe of God. No matter how close you think you get to the Lord, you must always remember that he is God and God Almighty. And his power is greater than our natural minds can comprehend. And like I said before, I think once we lose our awe of God and how awesome he is and how powerful he is, the next step is it leads us down the road to idolatry. Because we begin to worship ourselves at that point. We believe that we know better than God. We believe that we can do things and not suffer the consequences. God loves us. Like I say, he does love us. But he also says we need to obey him. We need to keep our eyes focused solely on him. Because the minute we don't do that, we begin to stray off. We begin to look to ourselves, and as King David did, he began to lose sight of his own weaknesses. He uh, got into sin with Bathsheba because the time that the kings go out to war, he didn't go. He was at ease in Zion. And uh, if that speaks anything to me, it says, Roy, don't get at ease in Zion. Remember that it's the, it was the passion of David that connected him with God. And it's the passion that we have for God that continuously connects us with him. Because we recognize That he is our bread. He is our water. He is our shield. He is our rock. He is our strength. He is our all all and all. He's most powerful. So I think tonight God just wants to remind us of who we serve. And to always, always, always remember that he's God and God alone. Stand to your feet tonight.
Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And we, like John the Revelator, view him tonight as the one who has eyes of fire. Whose countenance John turned away from because he was so powerful. And so tonight, Lord, Holy Spirit, remind us of who our Heavenly Father is. Remind us of how powerful you are, Father, that we might live at your feet in all divine worship, in all divine reverence, and in all divine awe of you. For you are an awesome God. There is none like unto you, Lord. And we worship you tonight. We are your sons and your daughters, bought by the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. But we worship you. We bless your name. We honor you. We reverence you. You are everything. You are our only salvation. You're the strength of our lives. The power behind every righteous step we make, it comes from you. And we worship and adore you tonight. Strengthen us in this season, Lord God. Give us an unbroken focus upon you. That we might live at your feet throughout the ages and the eons of your eternities. And tonight we give you all the glory, all the praise, and all of the honor as we reverence your power tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming tonight.